Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Father God, we lift our hands in this place and we honor you, Lord. We bless you, Lord, because you've been good to us. You've forgiven our sins, you've healed all our diseases, Lord God. You are good, God. Father, we invite you into this place today, Lord. Your word says in Psalm 121, lift up your eyes. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord of hosts, who doesn't change with shifting shadows. Lord, we lift up our eyes right now. If our heads are down, we lift them up, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name, because we look to you, Father, the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus today that you would encourage us. You would strengthen us, that you'd point us in the right direction, Father God, in the name of Jesus, and that you'd change us from the inside out, Lord God. Lord, we pray, Father, the things that you have planned for us are good things, Lord. And we reach out by faith and we bring those good things that you've planned for our lives into the natural realm by faith in Jesus' name. Lord, you've given us great and precious promises, Lord God. And we reach out by faith and bring those promises by faith into the natural in Jesus' name. Father God, you promise family salvation. You promise healing. You promised promotion and finances, Lord God. There's so many things you promised that the church would keep moving forward and new churches, new cells would be planted and new services would start, Lord God. And we thank you for what you did yesterday, but we say, God, do it again today. Do it again today and inspire those who are here right now to do new things for you, Father God. Maybe your past is hindering you today. We say, Lord God, let us forget the past. Let us not be a product of the past, Father God. The words of the past, the things of the past. But you said, I will do a new thing. There's things you're doing today in our lives, Lord, things you want to do. And we say today, Lord God, have your way. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give him praise here this afternoon. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is worthy. Why don't you greet someone before you take your seat? Welcome to the 230 service. Ask them how they're doing. Amen. We're going to have a good time this afternoon in, in the Word of God. Hallelujah. So how are you guys doing this afternoon? Are you ready? Amen. It's great to see you guys. And I want you to uh, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4 and chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses. The title of the message today on the series of faith is Seeing the Invisible and Walking by Faith. Seeing the invisible and walking by faith. How many people know you don't often always feel like walking by faith? You don't suddenly get out of bed and feel, wow, I'm suddenly in the spirit on the Lord's day. I feel like just walking on water today. We live in, in the real world. And here in 2 Corinthians, it talks about that. It talks about how we should be as Christians and, and what kind of perspective we should, we should have when it comes to God, when it comes to believing God, when it comes to having faith in God. A definition of faith from Colin's book, living faith, is the word, word firm persuasion, faith. Living faith means firm persuasion. And sometimes you do start out with the things that God's promised you. You have scriptures and you're reading them and you're thinking, my God, these things are coming alive. One day God is going to do these things. And then maybe it's five, ten years or maybe it's just simply Monday morning. You reach there and you think, my God, how are these things going to happen? And you start to, to, to doubt and you start to think, ask questions. And living faith is all about being firmly persuaded no matter how you feel. No matter whether you're on the mountain or in the valley. No, no matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. 
You know, God is faithful, amen? And we can be firmly persuaded that what he's spoken of our lives, he is going to bring to pass. Spurgeon, a great preacher, said, faith is to a man like new eyes. I wonder if you need new eyes today. Hallelujah. New vision. You know, if you wear glasses, sometimes you have to go to the optician and get a new pair of glasses because the old ones are just, they don't work anymore. Uh, Your eyes stop working, but the glasses are helping you see. And he says that faith is like to a man like new eyes. Eyes with a far wider range of vision than the natural eyes ever have. Eyes which see the truth of God, which natural eyes often do not. Eyes which wax not dim, but which as age increases grow yet more bright and far seeing. Blessed is the man who has the eyesight of faith. How many people want that eyesight of faith? I want that eyesight of faith. I don't often feel that eyesight of faith, but I, I want to lay hold of that. I want God to stir myself afresh and give me this new perspective here in 2 Corinthians, if you read it there in your Bible, starting from verses 13 to 18. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise up us with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. I'll just stop there for a moment. Why were we blessing God just then? Why, why do we get excited about that song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul? We, we may have even sang it 10,000 times, but sometimes when God's moving, we want to lift our hands. Why? Because we're thanking God that He's saved us. He's done a work in our heart. He's forgiven us. And therefore, what? We speak it out. Hallelujah. We speak it out in thanksgiving. We say, God, we're grateful that you've forgiven us. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Or the things which are invisible. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here in this verse, the context is quite simple. He's talking about eternal matters and temporal matters. He's talking about being a Christian, and he's talking about thanking God, and he's encouraging us, what perspective should you have as a Christian? Now, if we're all honest here today, we all have an earthly perspective. An earthly perspective is a seen perspective. That means we're moved by what we see by what we taste, by what we touch, by this present world. We're not often stirred by the eternal world. And he's saying to you as a Christian today, if you're a Christian, you should be more stirred by that which is eternal rather than that which is just temporary, which is just the physical world that you're living in right now. And this is the great challenge. I mean, when I look at this verse, I think, I don't get it, Lord. We live in a a normal world. We have emotions. We have feelings, but yet you're encouraging us through the Apostle Paul here to say, hey, the things which are in this world are temporary. That means they'll fade away. Maybe 50, 60 years from now, you'll not be here anymore. You'll be in heaven. I don't know when you'll, you'll go to heaven to be with Jesus, but it tells you when you do go to heaven, this world right now, these 60 or 70 years that you're on this world is just temporary. That's why he's encouraging us to make sure that we have a vision for that which is unseen. We don't see heaven. We don't see angels right now. I don't know if you've been with us for a long time in KT, but in, in the mid-90s, people were having angels, uh, seeing angels just on the, the right and the left. And I'm sure 50% of the people were caught up in the exterior and thinking, oh, God, whoa, angels are visiting. Other people were just standing there thinking, angels? I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Because they couldn't see that which is unseen. Faith is seeing that which is unseen. 
and bringing that which is unseen, which is the promise of God, into the natural world. Now, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you see this phrase, and this is where we get the title of this sermon, seeing the invisible, walking by faith. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight, not by natural sight. We walk by faith. If you just see it today, faith is what we call spiritual sight. As Spurgeon said, new eyes, new spiritual vision. You know where you're going. And sight is just the normal sight which you have on a daily basis. And so I want to encourage you today to start seeing the invisible. Start moving God by your faith. Now the word that I have today is on 2 Kings chapter 6. So let's turn there if you have a Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 8 to 20. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been a Christian for a long time, what really stirs me is people with vision. How many people like people with vision? People who accomplish much for God. Well, sometimes when I'm around people who are more negative, people who don't have vision, people who want to stay the same, for me, I find that kind of boring. I, I want to be always on the move. In fact, a definition of faith is somebody who's moving forward. That's the term walking by faith. In fact, you can't have faith without movement. You have to move forward. I remember watching Manchester United the, the other day and when they have been beaten three times. Thank God they won yesterday by God's saving grace. Hallelujah. Just, I felt the same as I felt about the election. To be honest, I felt the election. I thought, phew, thank God. Thank God not much changed. Now, you might not agree with me whether conservatives got in or not. But I just thought, you know what? Whether it's right or wrong, I thought probably the best thing is that we just stay more of the same for a season and ask God to really radically do something in our government over the next four or five years. And I just felt that. I thought, wow, thank God. So the church needs to rise up. The church needs to rise up because the last four years weren't too good for the church. But the next four years, we really need to start believing God for change and the church to rise up and start to influence politics. So when I was watching the United game, I was frustrated. Why was I frustrated? Because there was no movement. There's no movement off the ball. If you're talking in the Premier League and you want to win games, it's the movement off the ball that often wins the game. Because as you move off the ball, you create what you call space. And as you create the space, then the defenders don't like space because that's where the ball goes. And often it goes into the right area and it ends up in a goal. In the same way, if you are going to create space for God in your life, you need to start moving forward. If you're going to move God, you need to move God by your faith. And so here is a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8 to 20 is about seeing that which is invisible. Seeing that which is invisible. And I'm going to talk about four things today. Number one, seeing. Number two, the invisible. Number three, speaking. Number four, walking. All the contexts of faith. This is a story of Elisha and his servant. And what's happening here, the, the army, the Syrian army are gathering around and about to capture Elisha because Elisha's not been talking too good about the people of Syria. And so the Syrian army are gathering around thinking, oh my God, we're just going to get rid of this guy. This is what's happening in the natural. And from verse 12, let's, let's read. And one of his servants said, none my lord or king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he starts thinking, my God, I'm going to capture him. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send him and get him. And it was told, saying, surely he is in Dotham. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and, and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, 
do not fear. Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened his eyes and, and the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you speak. But he led them to Samaria. So here's a picture of an army coming around Elisha, ready to capture Elisha. And the servant here says, You know, what, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are they going to kill us? Are they going to capture us? What's going to happen? And Elisha, he's in faith. Why is he in faith? Because his eyes are opened. His eyes are open. I wonder right now, are, yours, are your eyes open, spiritually speaking, or are your eyes closed? Are your eyes open? I mean, I'm not talking about physically, if there's anyone sleeping here today. Are your eyes open or are they closed? Because here in the scripture, you've got two kinds of people. You've got Elisha, the prophet. Now, if you're looking at a prophet, the word prophet is the word seer. And so you're expecting at least a prophet who is probably as symbolic as a, of a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, is someone who should see. And then here is the servant, someone who's just basically seen in the natural world. He's not got faith. He's, he's with the prophet, but for some reason the spirit of the prophet is not upon him. Could it be here today? We're, we're living in a church. You've read the KT history, haven't you, in the revival times, and you're reading it. And I don't know about you, but I've been getting inspired I get inspired about revival history because just about five or six people in Holland Park, they started to see what God could do. Many years ago, over 100 years ago, when they planted Horbury Chapel, which Kensington Temple was called back then, a few people thought, my God, what we need to do is we need to go and plant a church on the top of Notting Hill. There's no church there, and we've got such a heart to reach the people of Notting Hill. So they started building this amazing building. And why did they do that? I mean, when they moved in, there was nothing but, but about 30, 40 people coming in. Uh, and here today, at the 9-11, we've got over 800 people at each service, and the place is packed. How did they know that this church would be as large as it is today? They just moved out in faith. They, they could see, like the prophet Elisha. And Elisha could see because he had a different perspective. He had God's perspective. I don't know about another way of looking at it. Sometimes when you see revival history and you, and you think, my God, these five people moved out. This church was planted. And suddenly you start thinking about you. You start thinking like the servant rather than like the prophet or like how a Christian should think of thinking about things unseen, about thinking about how God can use you to do impossible things. Why? Because it's not you, it's God. It's God working through you. You see your limits. And why was he limited? Why was this man limited? Fear. Fear was limited. He was fearful. He saw the army. He saw people surrounding Elisha. And he fear got within inside of him. Something was happening inside. He was worried. And he cried out to Elisha. said, my God, what's going to happen? And Elisha was just still. He was just still. And he just said, you know what? No worries. There's more with us than there is with them. Why? Because Elisha had a different perspective. I was looking at the story of Jesus in, in the boat 
Anybody know that story? Jesus in the boat, and, and there's a storm going on. And I remember a few years ago, Colin was prophesying that there was a storm coming to the country. And, and that's still happening. There's still a storm in society. And we need God to really start to move in society in an amazing way. But here, in the, in the story, Jesus is in the boat, and the boat looks like it's going to go down. And everybody is frantic. Everybody is worried. Everybody is stressed out. Now, number one, if Jesus was in my boat, you know, and, we, and you believe that he's the son of God, that he created the world, and that he can do absolutely anything, why, why worry? So for some reason, the disciples had got their focus wrong, and they were worried, they were stressed, we're, we're going to go down. But here was Jesus just chilling out in the boat, asleep. And when I looked at that story, I thought, you know, that's what faith is. Faith is being immovable, no matter what the storms no matter what the crisis is going on in your life, when you've received a promise or a word or a vision or a destiny from God, when you've really got faith, when God's really working in your life, you're just at peace. Well, you know what? This storm's going to pass by and everything's going to be fine. Why? Because you're firmly persuaded. Jesus was firmly persuaded. They woke him up. Jesus, what are you going to do? Get up, get up, get up. And suddenly Jesus gets up and what does he do? The calmness on the inside the calmness that Jesus had on the inside suddenly was produced on the outside. That's what faith is. Faith needs to happen in the heart first. Something needs to happen in here. There needs to be a calmness in here. And what was happening to the servant, he was worried. He was anxious. What's going to happen? Are we going to get killed? Are we going to get captured? But because Jesus had peace on the inside, he suddenly said, peace be still. Peace be still. And guess what happened? All the waves all the, the wind and all that was going on, just calmed down, and the boat just began to float like usual with no, with, with no storm. Why? Because Jesus had faith. He was calm on the inside. He could see from a godly perspective. I wonder right now, do you have a godly perspective? Can you see the way God sees? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you know where you're going? I ask you that question again. Do you know where you're going? Why? Because if you're here today, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for this 2.30 service to grow, to move forward. And we, we've been discussing this last week with the team of how we can take this service forward. And we're going to encourage you in the coming weeks to get involved in the service. We're going to be putting things on for the service. And, and as we've been talking, something's been happening in our spirit. Something's been stirring. Now we pray that that will happen more and God will start to infuse us with more. But I'm saying that because I want you to get excited about the service as well. I want you to get excited about KT growing. I want you to get excited about your cell group growing and new life starting to happen. And, and sometimes it has to happen internally first. Jesus said about the Pharisees that they were blind leaders of the blind. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that scripture, I thought, my God, help me, Lord. I don't want to be a blind leader. I don't want to be going somewhere, trying to take some people with me. I don't even know where I'm going myself. And when you get lost, you don't know you're lost because you don't know where you're going. I remember as a child, I always knew where I was going, not in destiny, but when I was a young child, I always knew where I was going. And my brother, I remember this story, my brother came to me, he was so worried, he started crying. Now he's two years older than me, so I expect him to be a bit more mature at 10 years old. So at 10, I thought, he's my older brother, he should know where he's going. I'm younger, I'm following him. And he came into me in the supermarket and said, I'm lost, I've lost mommy, I've lost mommy. And he started to cry. And I said to him, listen, Neil, mommy's just round the corner. We went round the corner. There was mommy just getting some cans and putting it into the basket. I wasn't worried. I knew where I was going. 
And as a person, sometimes when you don't know where you're going, it's easy to worry. It's easy to get anxious. It's, it's easy. This servant couldn't see, didn't know where he was going. Proverbs 29 and verse 18 says, people without vision perish. People without revelation cast off restraint. They get frustrated because they don't know where they're going. The Bible also talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, for the non-believer is blind when it comes to the things of God. He can't see God, even though God's there. And God might be calling you here today. You're not a believer. God's calling people to come to Christ, but they don't see God. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the hearts of unbelievers so they can't see. So even when you're preaching and sharing and praying, it seems like there's an impenetrable barrier. It's called blindness. But the Bible also says there's good news because when one turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Notice on the cross when Jesus died, that veil that was in the temple was what? Torn in two. That means that veil that was separating you from God was literally obliterated there at the cross. God destroyed the blindness for you as a Christian so that you can see. He lifted up the veil so you could have a destiny, so you could have a fresh vision. And maybe today you need to simply ask God, Lord, I need a fresh encounter with you. I need a fresh perspective. This man needed an encounter. See, it's not enough to go to church. This guy was hanging around with Elisha. Could you imagine being best friends with, with Colin Dye, our senior minister, and getting the privileges to walk around with him? Surely, just the very thought, you think, my God, maybe the anointing that's on his life will come on my life. Maybe hang around with Bruce. Is Bruce ministering in the Holy Spirit? And you've seen Bruce healing people and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think, my God, if I could just spend time with Bruce Atkinson just for a couple of days, I'd be more anointed. I'd have perspective. I'd have vision. Well, how come this man, this servant, even though he was hanging around with Elisha, didn't have a faith perspective, didn't have vision, didn't know where he was going. When he found out the bad news, he was shaken. He wasn't built on the firm foundation, and he couldn't see the army. I don't know how long this guy was hanging around with Elisha, but maybe it was a number of years. And yet the same vision and the same calling that was on Elisha didn't yet manifest itself on this servant. Could that be you today? You've been in KT for so long. You've been here a while, and you've joined the cell. You've been through every step in the vision, and yet that spirit of faith that's on the house, that pioneering spirit, the, the, the spirit that says, I'm going to accomplish something for God. I've got a calling on my life. I'm going to do something for God, has, has yet to come upon you. I want to tell you there's hope today because God can change our hearts. God can change our hearts. The Bible says that unbelief can cause your heart to become hardened to the things of God. That you don't enter the vision that God has for you. Why? Because your heart is heavy. There's things going on in your heart. And the Bible says this can cause blindness. It can hinder us from coming to know God. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3. And let's find out about what the scripture says about unbelief. Unbelief can block the breakthrough in your life. It says in verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today... If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your father's testimony tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was angry with them and that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. 
They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily when it's called today. And lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There it is, the deceitfulness of sin. Sin can deceive you and thus it can blind you. How does it deceive you? It deceives you in the heart. When you harbor unforgiveness or you harbor sin, you turn away from God. It can be subtle. Just be a little subtle thing that, that happens in your life. Someone offends you. Something's happened. The pressure's on. You're busy. And you're still coming. You still lift your hands and worship. But you know you're just literally missing the mark. You know, there's a definition of sin. Sin is missing the mark. And the more you miss the mark, the more frustrated you get. I mean, why? Because every one of us want to hit the mark. We all want to hit the target. We all want to be successful when it comes to godly Christian living. We all want to have a vision for our lives. We all want to connect with God. But when you're missing the mark, you get more and more frustrated. What does that produce? A hard heart. And often you turn away from people, and then eventually what happens, you turn away from God. Why? Because your heart has become hard. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as in the rebellion. Jesus said, people will be seeing, but they'll not see. And people will be hearing, but they'll not hear. Why? Because their heart is hard. Because their heart is hard. I was doing my gardening uh, the other day. Don't think I'm a gardener. I was doing it the one time that I do it each year. Uh, and I was, di- I was doing it, I was digging up all the hard ground. Now, the, the ground would not be hard if I was doing it on a regular basis. So the ground is hard, and I'm thinking, my God, I had one of the guys who used to be in my soul group come over and visit me, and I didn't really ask him to, to give me a hand, but I just started doing the gardening and, and starting to talk with him. And as we were doing the gardening, he started to help me. And he's never done gardening at all as well in his life. So we were learning how to garden. And as I was digging up this hard ground, I was, God was, was ministering to me about softening my heart personally. Because if you want revival to come or you want something new to happen, you've got to ask the question, why isn't something new happening in, in my life? And then you've got to admit, maybe I've turned away from God. You see, revival can't come. Faith can't rise unless you admit where you're at. Colin's been teaching us that through Soul Talk about the red dot question. And the red dot question and the purpose of that is to find out where you are. How can you move forward in faith if you don't know where you're at? So we're in the garden and I was digging up this hard dirt and I was thinking, what's the best method? So I started to do the fork. Anybody use the fork in the garden? I was using the fork. Why? Because they say that if you've got the fork, you can try and break up the soil and it breaks up. But I was frustrated at the fork because the fork was not working the way that I wanted it to work. It wasn't quick enough. And so I decided that the best strategy was to use was to use my hands. So I picked up this hard soil and I squeeze it together and what I started to do, I started to do this and as I started to do this, why did I want to do that? It's because I wanted the soil to become soft again so I could sow some seeds into the soil. When I was using the fork, it just simply wasn't grinding the powder in the way that I wanted to so I, I grabbed a hold of this weed and as I grabbed this weed, I went like this and as I went like that, it all became powder and guess what I did? I took out the weed and I put it in the bucket and I did this many times over and suddenly I felt God say to me, Listen, what you need to do with your heart when it becomes hardened to the things of God, when, when your heart becomes hardened, you need to give your heart to me. Give your heart again to me, and I'll take your heart, and I'll literally get rid of all the hardness, all the things in your life that is hard towards me, 
and hard towards the destiny that I have for you. And then I'll just take out that weed that you want to get rid of anyway. And I'll get rid of it. And I'll burn it in the fire. And I want to encourage you today, if your heart has become hardened, if you become blinded, and you think, oh, God, I wish I could see. I've become like the servant. I want to encourage you today to give your heart back to God. You know, often when you're an evangelist, you get used to people, Christians, not responding to God. Because when you give an altar call, Christians switch off and they say, well, that's for the non-Christian. But actually, this message is for you, a Christian. Because our hearts, the longer we follow God, our hearts can become hardened to the things of God. And maybe today, you need fresh vision. You need fresh vision for your life. And if you're going to get fresh vision, then you need to be able to see again Christ. And you need to see his forgiveness. And you need to receive his hope again. And the best way for that to happen is for you just to hand your life back to God and say, God, soften my heart. I've tried to soften my heart, but it's not happened. So here, the second thing we want to discuss, invisible. The word invisible. So you have a seeing prophet and you have the blind servant. Why couldn't he see? Why was he not able to see? I want to say, maybe because he was just human. Maybe he allowed all the things in his life to blind him from the things of God. Jesus said about the seed of the kingdom of God. If the seed of the kingdom of God is going to grow, it's going to cause an impact in your heart and in your life, then what happens sometimes is that the cares of this life can choke the word. What are these cares of this life? Well, being busy in London, you know how it is. You're busy. Maybe you're even going somewhere to the 230 service right now and you're ready. You think, oh my God, Christian, will you hurry up? I need to finish. I need to go to my cell group. We're often busy. And busyness doesn't do us a favor as Christians, does it? Because we're not even ready to even soak in the word. We're not even ready to take any instruction from the Bible because we dip in and we dip out. There they go already. Hallelujah. No, just joking. God bless you guys. Being busy can stop you from following God. Always in, always out, but never really accomplishing anything. How about when you look back on your life? Look back on your life. Suddenly someone said to me just before the service, how old is your son now? I said, oh, two years and a bit. Oh, my days, time has flown. What has happened to that time? What happened to that time? And sometimes when we, we say those things, we think, my God, how has my life been successful? Time has passed, but yet I've not done anything for God. Faith is seeing the invisible come into reality. When I do think about my son, we prayed for, for a long time to have children, and we kept confessing the word of God, and faith began to arise in our spirit, and we begin to prophesy, and when we became pregnant, it wasn't a surprise. Why? Because we were already calling things as not as though they were. It wasn't happening for a while, but then we start to prophesy and say, these things are going to happen. Why? Because God has promised us that something's going to happen, and it did. And thank God we're now on our second child. See, faith sees the invisible come into reality. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. It's biblical when you say that faith is seeing the invisible. Anybody can see the visible. Anybody can talk about the problem. Anybody can say, there's a problem here. It's not working. Nobody's coming to my cell group. Nobody's interested. The business is not working. Anyone can say that. Anyone can state the obvious, but it takes a man or a woman who's laying hold of God in faith to say, hey, these are the problems, but things are going to change. 
because God says they're going to change, and I'm going to start to appropriate faith in my personal life. Here, it says in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 11 that the world was created by faith. So even before you were born, hallelujah, even before you even existed, the world was brought and created by faith. It says here in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Do you think it should read so that what was visible was not made out of what was seen? Because that's how we operate on a regular basis, isn't it? We operate in the visible world. We're moved by the visible world. In fact, 90% of our life is made up of the visible world. That's it. In fact, even if we're just praying 10% of our time. He says that the world was created by faith. How was it created? The Bible says in Genesis 1, 1 to 3, that the world was formless and void, and darkness was over the deep, and there was nothing happening, just darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering and ready to get into action. You know what that describes to me? That the Spirit of God is hovering over your life right now. Your life might be dark, full of darkness, formless, void, nothing happening, you feel like giving up, nothing's happening, you don't have perspective. That's how the world began. So there's hope for you, hallelujah. There's hope for me right now. There's nothing happening. And then God said, let there be light. Let there be light and suddenly, boom, there was light. So there was nothing happening, nothing that we could see anyway. It was unseen. And out of that which was unseen, which was God, he spoke forth the word of God and things were created. That's faith. Faith, you can form your world by speaking words. Why? Because God created the world through his word. And so if things are going to happen in your life as a Christian, you need to start speaking God's word over your life. Hallelujah. Start to get some of the promises. And I tell you, you, might, it doesn't, you don't need 100 promises to accomplish destiny. It's not like you need to become Dr. R.T. Kendall. Now, if you're called to be a theologian, then study and, and be like R.T. And, and be passionate. But you don't need to suddenly be, have a doctor's degree to do it. You just need one word from God. One word from God. One promise and doors will start to open. Confess that word of your life. Confess that word of your family. And what will start to happen, your world will start to be formed in faith. Now, the same is true when you speak negative words, isn't it? My son at the moment, and I'm, I'm a little frustrated when, when he can't do things, not because he can't do them, but because he says to me he can't do them. Oh, I, I can't do it, he says. I can't do it. I said, you can do it. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. And they'll run off and go, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I, I have to keep being patient and say, listen, you can do it. You can do it. Why? Because I see him do things all the time. I see him picking up things like we, we used to watch the Bible on um on the phone, and I'd have to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and open my eyes like this, because you know, oh, Daddy, Jesus, Jesus, I want to see Jesus on the, on the, he's trying to see the phone, so I, I pick it up, and I'm playing it like this, yeah, and you have to, it's a touch button one, so you, you press the buttons, and like the donkey moves, and then Jesus comes in, and the guy gets healed, and all that kind of stuff, but now, when he comes in, he says, I want to watch Jesus, I hand him the phone, and he's just doing it himself, donkey, Jesus, healing, man, comes alive, that kind of, he's doing it, why? Because he's grown, because he shows me that he can do things. When you say you can't do things, that's exactly what you get. You can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be a leader. I can't influence people. You can do it, sir. Hallelujah. You can do it. Hallelujah. 
You can do it. You've got to start telling yourself that you can do it. Why? I want to tell you, you can do it. Why? Because God is in your life. God is in your life. He says there's more with us than is against us. With God, you are a majority. God's on your side. How do we know that? Because you've been born again. You can't be a Christian unless you've been born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means to have God in the inside of you. Now, if you have God, I mean God, the God who created the world on the inside of you, you can do anything. Hallelujah. It is about getting God, God's revelation, God's nature. You have the same nature that God had in the beginning when he created the world. On the inside of you, it's called being a new creature in Christ Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, in Christ, I'm a new creation. Old things have gone and new things have come. What does that mean? It means you've got God's nature on the inside of you. God's nature. And if God's nature is on the inside of you, then God's destiny has a chance to come out of you into the world. Hallelujah. You have a chance to do what God's called you to do. Why? Because God's nature is on the inside of you. And how does God operate? He operates in that which is unseen, in that which is invisible. He's an expert in seeing things that are invisible and making them visible because that's how he created the world. And he go on in, the, in this passage of Hebrews chapter uh, 11, in verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. When he was thinking about things not yet seen, the flood had not come. The ark was not built. But he was moved by God to start building, even though nobody saw what was going to happen. That's faith. Moving in the invisible realm. Causing things that are invisible to come to pass. Another verse, verse 22. Joseph said, by faith, bring my bones up from here. From where? I mean, how stupid does that even sound? A guy is dying. He's been the... One of the kings of Egypt, on behalf of Pharaoh, he's been ruling. He dies and passes away. And then these last words are, you're not going to stay here. You're going to move forward. You're going to go into the promised land. And when it happens, I want you to take my bones up from here. I mean, if that was any one of us here today, you'd think, come on, don't be stupid. We're just going to bury you. It's going to be, we're going to have a nice service. It's going to be okay. He's saying, no, I've seen the invisible. I've seen the future. And when it happens, you're going to bring my bones up from here. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Moses said, you know what? What we've got to do when we leave Egypt, we've got to bring Joseph's bones up there through the promised land. We've got to do it. That's vision. That's faith. Being moved by faith. And then verse 27, Moses here, also moved by faith. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king, king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Because he saw God. He saw God who is invisible and he refused to live a life of things which were visible. He saw God and he said, God, you're going to move me up from here. I'm no longer serving this king. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And he did. So it's biblical to start seeing the invisible. 2 Corinthians 4 again. We don't live by what is seen, but by which is unseen. Hallelujah. 
that which is unseen. Shall we pray here today as we come to an end in a few minutes? I want to ask you a couple of questions as we pray and as the team come back, the worship team. And I want us to sing that song again, Bless the Lord, O My Soul. I haven't got so far through this message. The other two things I was going to talk about, we did mention it briefly, was speaking and walking. And faith conquers fear and anxiety. We briefly mentioned those things. But I want to ask you a question. Number one, are you following the vision that God has for your life? Number two, can you see today? Can you see by faith? Are you seeing? Who are you in this story? Are you the prophet who can see eternal things, unseen things, invisible things, and cause them to happen? Or are you like the blind servant who is looking at temporary things, the physical realm, the emotional realm? Which one are you today? Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray today as we pray together, I ask you that you'd give this service a new vision. People without vision perish. So, Lord God, we're thinking about the vision of the 230 service. We're thinking about the services at KT. And we're asking you, in this place today, you'd open our eyes. Would you pray that with me right now? Say, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes that I would see. Tell him right now, oh, Lord, open my eyes. I've been looking at the wrong perspective. I've been seeing the wrong things. I've been getting annoyed. I've been fearful. I've been anxious about the wrong things when I should have been seeing you. You are the creator. Lift my eyes up. Where comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. My help comes from the Lord. Give me fresh dreams, Lord God. Give me fresh thoughts. I rebuke negative thoughts, Lord God. And I ask you to give me fresh thoughts, fresh words. And I ask you that your word would come afresh to my life. Oh, Father God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, Father God, do something new. Do something fresh in our lives today. In Jesus' name.